Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Tudor, as we have a full episode this week talking about college football, college basketball, the NFL, the MLB, the NBA, and of course, our signature segments, your weekly turtle tab, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions here on episode 98. Unlike the Seahawks, who, you know, threw a pick six on their second play of the game of Sunday Night Football, we are going to go off right into a strong start to this episode and talk about college football, a.k.a. Cyclone football, because it's Cyclone football season. This weekend, the Cyclones will be playing at Texas Christian University. we got a kickoff time of 1230 Central. I'm excited for this game week. Yeah, it's going to be good to have conference football back, Big 12 conference games, barring uh, weird COVID results. All 10 Big 12 teams will be playing a conference game here this week. Um, Cyclones opening up at TCU, as Wyatt just said. The Cyclones are actually three-point favorites um, when I looked this morning, um, which is actually interesting because this line opened with the Cyclones as three-point underdogs. I guess they're down to two-point favorites now as I look. But still, that line has swung five points since the, in the last week. I don't know what's happened in the last week that swung the line so much in ISU's favor. But ESPN's football power index definitely does not uh, agree with Las Vegas. It gives TCU an 80%, almost an 80% chance to win this football game, despite the Cyclones being favored on the Vegas line. So that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Well, I don't know. And to just add to what you said, I have no idea why TCU is now underdogs um, because they just uh, cleared or got clearance from their, for their uh, quarterback who started last season, Max Duggan uh, is cleared to play versus Iowa state, which you would think that your previous season's quarterback might give you an advantage, but who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Um, the things I'm looking for, looking for going into the game, are the injury statuses of uh, Cola and Downing. Right, those are definitely two things I'm looking for. Uh, for we didn't find out last week that Cola wasn't going to play until I found out about 20 minutes before kickoff that he wasn't going to play. Um, so hopefully we'll figure out his status a little sooner this week. The Cyclones' offense definitely needs him back. Um, we need a really good receiver who can get open and catch some balls in traffic. Yeah, we f- we found out that he wasn't going to play thanks to College Game Day uh, reporting it live from the Des Moines Register uh, while they were talking about ISU playing that week. So it was a shock to everyone. Yeah. And then, of course, Downing left the game. Uh, I can't remember exactly when. Anyway, he left the game. Um, After the game, Campbell said he might be ready for this week. I haven't heard any updates since then. So hoping to have him back. He's, I mean, he's the only returning starter on the offensive line. So that'd be nice to keep him in there and keep him, keep him rolling and moving forward there. So, but we'll see. I'm going to watch a game. And of course we will talk, tell you all about it on next week's episode of the 8311 cast. Um, And Kyle has some Cyclone basketball news as well that happened this week that he wants to. I do have some news, and the team is already starting to lose players from the roster um, or availability, I should say, for the season. Blake Hinson, the uh, transfer forward um, from Old Miss, will be taking this year off to deal with a personal medical issue. 
He is traveling back to his home, I believe, somewhere in Florida uh, to be with his family. Um, and Coach Prohm said he's going to be continuing coursework and everything with the ex full expectation that he will be back and ready to go for the 2021-22 uh, for the Cyclone. Not that he was projected to be a starter this year, but he was projected to see some possibly big minutes off the bench um, as a potential key role player for them. So we'll keep an eye on that as basketball season gets a little bit nearer. Um, but what is near right now is NFL football. And week two was enlightening for some teams. And Mike, how enlightened are you about this Vikings team? I have been enlightened about one thing. We suck. It was so bad. You thought maybe they just had a fluke against Green Bay, right? It was one week playing without fans in the stands, everything like that. But they came out, and the offense was actually decent against Green Bay. They came out against Indianapolis, and they were awful offensively, defensively, both sides of the ball, just terrible. I mean, the Colts uh, got beat up a little bit by uh, Minshew and the Jaguars the week before, but that dom defense pretty much dominated Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense. Kirk Cousins definitely had his worst game in Minnesota on Sunday. The defense did not look any better against uh, Phillip Rivers and the Colts than against the Packers. That defense has got problems. It suffered another blow. Anthony Barr is done for the year with a torn pack. Um, Losing starting middle linebacker is never a good thing. So, I mean, yeah, this team just sucks. Tank it for Trevor. Tank it for Trevor. Let's go get that number one pick. Yeah, you guys are looking for Trevor now? Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll trade San Diego, uh, Kirk Cousins, and a first for Justin Herbert straight up. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if that'll happen. But yesterday, no, I don't think so. And I'll get it. I'll get into Justin Herbert a little bit later. But Aaron Rodgers looked good again. This Packers offense rolled over the Lions. Aaron Jones had 236 scrimmage yards as well as three touchdowns on the day. He was fantastic. The Falcons, I I don't know what to say. They just like blowing 20 point leads apparently they had three fun they recovered three fumbles to start the game great start they went up 20 to nothing at one point they were they, I, they were up by 20 points for the majority of this game and then Dallas comes back into it and it gets down to an onside kick Greg Zerline puts the ball on the ground laces facing straight up to the sky and he kicks it like a helicopter, and it just rolls for 10 yards, and no Falcons wanted any part of that ball because Dallas just picked it up. And then uh, Legatron Zerline kicked it through the uprights for an unprobable, unbelievable Dallas comeback Yeah, let's, uh, let's in that game. Let's talk about that onside kick for a second. It's like nobody on the Falcons special team staff told them what the rules were. They're like, the ball hasn't gone 10 yards. We can't touch it. The ball hasn't gone 10 yards. Yes, you can touch it. The receiving team can touch the ball if it's less than 10 yards from the uh, kick spot, right? They were all backing up to the 10-yard mark to try and get it there. 
yes, the ball is live once the receiving team touches it. But if there's nobody from the other team anywhere near the ball, jump on it. Just fall on it. The ball was just spinning there with no Cowboys anywhere near it for part of that time. Falcons play should have just jumped on it. should have been over. They just let the ball spin there. That was terrible execution by the Falcons special teams. They're just like, they were just like holding their breath saying, oh, please don't go 10 yards. I can't do anything about it. Oh, please. Just grab the ball. Fall on the football. You're a football player. Grab the football. That, that onside kick was fast. But, I mean, what can you say? Good on the Cowboys for not giving up, fighting back in that game. Dak Prescott played really well in the second half. But, yeah, the Falcons got to win that. That's, that's unacceptable. There, there's no way Dallas should have been in that at all. No. But we'll see. Mike, you said that the Chiefs got bailed out by the officials. I'll yeah. let you talk about that. So, first of all, so the Chiefs ended up winning, what was it, 23-20 in overtime? Was yeah, 23-20. I'll talk about the game. You talk about how they got bailed out. Yeah. So, this is down. The score is, boy, 15. It was 17 to. 15-17. No, 17 to. Yeah. Tyree oh, Kill yeah, 15, 17. Yeah. Tyree Kill scores a touchdown to make it 15 to 17, right? And he gets in the end zone, and he takes his helmet off when he's in the end zone. Now, taking your helmet off should be an automatic 15-yard penalty. It's in the rules. Automatic 15-yard penalty. The officials, right? And at 15, 17, the Chiefs are obviously going to go for two, right? That 15-yard penalty t- takes that – two-yard, two-point conversion and turns it into a 17-yard, two-point conversion, right? Basically, it turns that, makes the two-point conversion unmakeable, um, right? So they got bailed out. The play doesn't get called. The Chiefs make the two-point conversion, end up sending the game to overtime and win. They got bailed out by the officials, but I'm not making the obvious call. I was screaming at it my TV. I saw him take off my helmet, and I was screaming, you idiot, you idiot, that's a flag, you idiot. Why are you doing that? He took – wait, hold on. He flag. took off your helmet? What? No, he said, you took off your helmet. That's a flag, you idiot. You, you said you, he took off my helmet. Yeah. So, moving forward, in, in an interview after the game, Tyree Kill swore that his helmet was already coming off because he was tumbling into the end zone. We'll leave that up to viewer discretion on that call. Obviously, Mike is in favor of him taking it off himself, where it should have been a penalty. I also think we probably got away with it. But there are plenty of other plays in this game where the Chiefs should not have won this game. Uh, Multiple penalties on the drive to end the game that took them out of range for scoring the go-ahead touchdown resulting in a field goal to tie it to send this game into overtime. How they got there was Patrick Mahomes was scrambling for his life between a porous offensive line this week as Joey Bosa, uh, Tillery, and Mark Ingram were having their way against the Chiefs' front five. Um, Patrick Mahomes didn't have anything until the third quarter when he hooked up with Tyree Kill on that 54-yard touchdown reception. Uh, and that was the spark that the Chiefs needed. Harrison Butker at the end of the game kicked three 50-yard field goal, three 50-plus-yard field goals in order to win it. One was a 53-yarder. They called timeout. A second one was a 53-yarder that was brought back due to a penalty, and then a 58-yarder to finally win the game for the Chiefs. 
but this Chiefs team has tons of stuff to fix before they play Baltimore next week in what will be the biggest game of the week. Uh, I said I would talk about Justin Herbert later, and the Chiefs will not be the next NFL dynasty because of Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert looked phenomenal. Apparently, he heard about five minutes before the game that he was starting as Tyrod Taylor uh, was actually had a chest injury that sent him to the hospital because he couldn't breathe, uh, which is slightly terrifying. And he just came in, looked calm, cool, and collected the number six overall pick pick in this year's draft for the San Diego or Los Angeles Chargers. Excuse me. They he was phenomenal. A four yard touchdown run. He also had an absolutely beautiful pass on the back corner. Uh, in the back corner of the end zone uh, to Goiton. It was a 14-yard pass. He did have one big mistake as he hucked the ball deep on a play where he was rolling out to his left and threw across his body as Legereus Sneed intercepted it. But he just looked poised the entire game. Uh, So the Chargers are in good hands with Herbert. There are reports that they're sticking with Taylor going forward which is absolutely stupid. The Chargers start Herbert. He's their next franchise quarterback. Start Herbert. He's way better than Taylor ever is. So the Chargers have their next quarterback. Speaking of injuries, I talked a little bit about Tyrod Taylor being injured. This was injury galore in the NFL. A ton of star players went down too. Uh, One of them being Christian McCaffrey, who's out possibly four to six weeks Uh, with an ankle injury for the Carolina Panthers, which is just a huge blow since he has 50% of the snap or 50% of the offensive production for that team. Uh, The Indianapolis Colts lost their safety Malik Hooker, as well as Paris Campbell, their wide receiver. Denver lost Drew Locke, their starting quarterback, to a shoulder injury and Cordero Sutton or Cortland Sutton for the entire year because he apparently blew out his entire knee. Uh, The New York Giants lost their, really their only two good players on offense. Um, This Saquon Barkley, who they fear has a torn ACL and is done for the season, and Sterling Shepard, who will be out multiple weeks with a toe injury. The biggest uh, team that was riddled with injuries or the largest share of the injuries were the San Francisco 49ers. They had a ton of key injuries. Nick Bosa is done for the year uh, with a possible torn ACL. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has a high ankle sprain. He will be done likely four to six weeks. Raheem Mostert has a sprained knee. Uh, He had a great game to start. And then the defensive lineman Solomon Thomas uh, had a knee injury, and they think he's going to miss a ton of time as well. The 49ers vaunted uh, defensive line, which carried them to a Super Bowl last season, is now decimated as they are in desperate need of help. Mike also talked about Anthony Barr being out for the season, and there were many other injuries that we don't have time to cover all of them, but those are the key ones in key positions. Yeah, just a ton of injuries this week. We'll have to see See, this is where this new three-week IR might come in handy that they instituted this year because of COVID, right? Like previously, someone like Christian McCaffrey, right, four to six weeks, is, doesn't end up on IR. This year, they very well might just put him on IR, right? If they could take him off in three weeks, if he's going to miss at least three weeks, you might as well. 
right? That's what the Chiefs did with one of their defensive linemen, Colin Sanders, who is expected to miss three weeks with a dislocated elbow. So he is actually able to return uh, for the New England Patriots with the new IR rule, which I like a lot. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's fine for this year. I, yeah, I it's fine this year. We'll see. We'll see what happens moving forward. Yeah. I need. I need to study it more to and its effects on roster numbers, et cetera, et cetera, before I make a ruling on it. So anyway, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. See if that stays in future years. But what I'm more excited for than football at this point, after how my Vikings are doing, is the fact that we are one week away. From the end of the MLB regular season and the start of playoff baseball. Remember we told you last week that the Houston Astros might be in trouble? Um, They are not in trouble is what we found out. Um, They ended up having a good enough week and Seattle ended up having a bad enough week that that, uh, the Astros are going to win that division barring an absolute like they lose every game down the stretch here this week type of scenario. Um, so the Astros are going to make it. Um, the AL playoff race is pretty much already decided, except for a few cases of seeding. Um, the A's, Rays, Yankees, Twins, and White Sox have already clinched playoff spots. And the Blue Jays, Indians, and Astros, according to fan graphs, all have greater than 98 of 98 or higher percent chances of making the playoffs. So um, yeah, basically uh, it's those eight teams in the playoffs with just a little bit to decide um, in seeding there. Um, uh, In the national league though, things are a lot more fluid. Um, The only two teams that have clinched are the Dodgers and the Padres, both in the same division there in the NL West. All the other playoff spots are still up for grabs at this point um, with uh, the main or so according to fan graphs, right? The Cubs are going to, and Braves are definitely going to make the playoffs. They have a hundred percent chance according to fan graphs. They just haven't mathematically clinched yet. The other four spots though are really up for grabs between the Marlins, the Phillies, the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Reds, and the Giants are all really with 42 or greater percent chances of making the playoffs, according to Fangraphs. So there's a lot to decide in this last week, especially around the NL wildcard team, right? The NL wild, so that's if you want to watch some close, interesting races, keep an eye on the NL Central, especially. But just those NL wild cards are the uh, are the ones to watch coming down the stretch. Um, as for the playoffs starting. Um, There will be a playoff bubble. The playoff bubble has been officially approved by both the union and the owners. Um, The American League playoff bubble will take place in Los Angeles and San Diego at Dodger Stadium and Petco Park. Um, The NL playoff bubble will take place in Texas at uh, the new Globe Life Park in uh, Texas in Arlington and the Minute Maid Park in Houston. Um, that bubble starts after these first round best of three wildcard series. So these first round best of three wildcard series will be played at high seed. Um, whoever that high seed happens to be will be played at high seed. Um, and then teams move into the bubble after that. Um, 
the interesting thing this bubble allows, or at least that I uh, saw, is scheduling, right? So normally in these series, right, you are getting um, off days for travel days, for example, in division series between after games two and four, if necessary, you have off days for travel, right? This decreases the number of starting pitchers that you need because you have more off days in the playoffs than you would in the regular season. With this playoff bubble now, so once you get into the start of the division series, the division series will be played in five straight days, or three to five straight days. There's no off days, depending on how many games you And then after that fifth day, there is one off day, and then you jump right into the championship series, which is played somewhere between four and seven straight days. No off days, depending on how many games you need to play. This means that basically, right, usually teams would try to get away in the playoffs with three, maybe four starting pitchers, right? This basically guarantees that you need at least, this does guarantee, at least in the, the championship series, you're going to need four starting pitchers right? You cannot survive with three starting pitchers with these off days, no matter what. And you'll probably need five starting pitch for the, uh, the AL and NLCS here because of this, um, because of this scheduling. Um, and let me also add, you can't, like, you can't rely on having one bullpen day either, because if you decimate your bullpen in one day, your bullpen's got to turn around and pitch the next day too. And then possibly the next day. So you, and it, it's kind of really reliant for the good teams who want to make it deep. They're going to have to have starting pitchers who can make it deep into games rather than like in previous years, we've seen them pulling starters in maybe four and a third, five innings and going to the bullpen. If a team has a good enough bullpen due to those off days. Yeah. I mean, it's also going to favor teams with depth, both in the rotation and the bullpen, right? A team like last year's Nationals, right, where basically they rode the three pitchers all the way to the World Series, right? Not going to be able to do that this year because you're going to have to have fourth and fifth starters and fifth and sixth relievers that are going to have to be able to pitch in high leverage situations and hold up. So it favors depth in pitching staffs um, a lot more than previously, which does benefit certain teams and hurt other teams it will be interesting to see how it plays out so just keep an eye on the off days there um, that's going to change the way postseason rosters are constructed too you'll see more pitchers on postseason rosters than you otherwise would have because of this so as Ross postseason rosters come out take a look at the other interesting news that came out of major league baseball this year is that rob manfred has come out and said he and the owners are in favor of um, extending this or keeping these extended playoffs with eight teams per league, um, that they are, um, the owners are interested in keeping this for future years. Um, Rob Manfred also hinted that he's also in favor of the other rule changes they've made this year, the universal DH and the, um, runner on second base and extra innings. There's not as, he said, the way he made it sound is that there's not as wide support among owners for those two necessarily, but there's definitely wide support among owners for the playoff expansion long-term. And here's why, if I'm the players, you should be very, very scared by this, right? Two, Two reasons. First of all, what you saw at the trade deadline this year, right? 
you saw a lot of teams like the Twins and the Astros and the Yankees who didn't make any moves because their playoff was basically assured in an eight-team playoff, right? When five teams making the playoffs as in previous years, those teams would have had to make moves to get better, right? So first of all, trades aren't going to happen as often. And second of all, I think free agent contracts are going to go down, right? Why do the Dodgers need to pay Mookie Betts, right? Obviously, they already did, but this is just why do the Dodgers need to pay to add Mookie Betts to that team when they're already going to make the playoffs in an 18 field without him? And that first round is basically just a crapshoot. Like the Dodgers, as the one, as the absolute dominant one seed, best team in the league, are probably going to play, could end up playing the 500 Giants in that first round. And the Giants have already won a best two out of three series with the Dodgers, right? Why should the Dodgers pay into the luxury task tax for a big free agent contract when they might get bounced by a 500 Giants team in the first round? There's no real incentive for being extraordinary in the regular season with this expanded playoffs. So teams are going to shoot their rosters, right? And their payrolls accordingly to not be phenomenal, just to be above average, good enough to make the playoffs, right? That's going to decrease values on the free agent market. And because, right, the playoffs, the expanded playoffs would generate a ton of revenue for the owners, right? Now in a salary cap league, that revenue at least partially gets passed on to the players, right? Because the revenue goes up, salary cap goes up. That's the way they work. But that's not the case in baseball, right? It's probably going to have the opposite effect where the owners are going to generate a ton of revenue, a ton more revenue, but payrolls are actually not, are definitely not going to keep up with revenue. If I'm the players, I am fighting this with everything I can because this is not good for the players in any way as far as a financial business perspective is. I am fighting this completely as a player. I, and I completely agree with you. And I also think that the league cannot move forward with. We have already determined, look, obviously for this season, yes, we have not determined who is the best team, especially in the American League. Well, especially in the National League, I should say, where everyone is so close. But in the American League, we found out who the better teams are besides the AL Central, which is super close at the top between the... But in a 162-game format, you have already figured out who the best teams are. You don't need to move to an eight-team format for the play, for the postseason. This is just another asinine move by a commissioner who we all hate. And there is no way that we can move forward with putting a runner on second base in extra innings. It is stupid. That is not how baseball is played. You are throwing someone out there. The what are Mike, do you have any stats for what are the odds of scoring a runner with no outs on second base? Let me pull up my run expectation matrix table that yes, all of you should have bookmarked cuz I There you go. There la- ladies and gentlemen, Mike is about to show you why you cannot put a runner on second base with nobody out in extra innings. It completely changes the layout of a game. I understand why they did it this year to try and save from having 17, 18, 19 inning games. But this is unsustainable. The players hate it. Yeah. So 
Under normal circumstances, right, nobody on, nobody out, your odds of scoring at least one run, at least based on data um, from previous games, is 26.8%. So basically a run, at least one run is scored in 28, 6.8% of innings. You get a runner on second base with no outs, that goes up to 61.4% of innings where at least one run is scored. And the average number of runs scored per inning um, in a regular inning is 0.481, where if you start a runner on second base, that goes up to an average of 1.1 runs per, right? It completely changes the game. Part of the allure of baseball for me is that in all circumstances, you have ties in baseball. You settle them by playing more baseball until there's not a tie. You're, you're an extra, you, you're tied after nine innings. You keep playing baseball until you are no longer tied. You're tied at the end of the regular season. Let's not do stupid tiebreakers. We play a baseball game to figure out who wins the tie. Dang it. That's one of the greatest parts of baseball, that you break ties by playing baseball. And the runner on second base isn't playing real baseball anymore. You're changing the way the game is played, and, uh, and I don't like it. If we didn't have enough like evidence and reason to fire Rob Manfred before – a la the Astros scandal, because I'm still pissed off about that. And so is Dodgers Nation, as you can see, where they've been flying planes with banners whenever the Astros came into town. This, If this gets approved going forward, fire him immediately. Like, get him out of here. That completely changes the game of baseball to a point where it's, it, it's not it, – you shouldn't do that. And if the owners do fire Rob Manfred, I have a suggestion for who they should replace Rob Manfred with. It Trevor is, Bauer. It is not Trevor Bauer. You cannot both be a major league player and the commissioner, fun fact. Um, I suggest myself, I nominate myself as the new commissioner of baseball. Yes, I am officially throwing my name in the running to be the new commissioner of Major League Baseball. I am starting my campaign officially starting today for the owners to replace me or to replace Rob Manfred with me as the commissioner of baseball. All my baseball takes are out here in the public for everyone to hear on this podcast. You can go back and listen to all our episodes, right? I don't, I don't hide how I feel about baseball. I am officially running for commissioner of baseball. If any and there you have it. If any of our listeners are MLB owners or know MLB owners, let me know. I'll get, get in contact with them. We'll get this campaign going. Show your support for Mike Ludwig for Baseball Commissioner. I'm on the train for this 100%. Rob Manfred does not care about the game of baseball, but Michael Ludwig loves the game of baseball. You have my vote if, if I was. Mike, I have one question before I vote for you. Uh-huh. Would you have dropped a harsher punishment on the Houston Astros? Yes, I would have. You have my vote, doggone it. There you go. See, I've, I've, see, I've, I've been slow rolling out my campaign to family and friends. I've got seven supporters already for this campaign. Seven people already on the, on the train. So let's keep it rolling. Mike, for commissioner, we are going for it. Let's get this campaign going. I want to be commissioner of baseball. It's going to happen. Show your support, Mike, for commissioner. Let's do it. Let's make this happen. First things first, no expanded playoffs. First edict. You can never change playoff size ever. 
All right, there we go. First order of business. Anyway, if you have any suggestions for what I should do once I am the commissioner of baseball when this campaign inevitably um, drop us a line on our contact page or on Instagram, and uh, we'll, I'll take your suggestions into account and, uh, for when I'm commissioner. We'll get this going. I'll, I'll be a people's commissioner. I'll listen to what people have to say about baseball, how I like baseball better. Penalize the Astros more. Now we move off the diamond and to the hardwood where the NBA is still running successfully. And we are going to run down what is currently happening in the NBA. So the Nuggets, as we, as you might have all seen, they beat the Clippers and everyone was talking about team chemistry and how Kawhi is now not a good NBA player. We can get into that another day. But for right now, the Nuggets and the Lakers are squaring off, and the Lakers have had the better of the two games thus far that have been played. They are up two games to nothing, but it took an Anthony Davis absolute dagger shot to win game three, a step back, um, and it it was a fantastic play. It, go watch that highlight. It, it was beautiful. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a Lakers fan or not. I personally, I'm cheering for the Nuggets in this series because of Monte Morris, Cyclone alma mater, but the Lakers and LeBron James are looking nearly unbeatable in these playoffs as they continue to roll on. In the Eastern Conference, Boston and Miami are still playing. Miami stormed out to a two-game lead in this series, taking hostages of the Boston Celtics and pretty much running them off the court. Uh, But then Boston was able to claw their way back into the series. They have won game three since then. Game four for Boston takes place on Wednesday night and game three for the Lakers and the Nuggets is Tuesday night of this week, September 22nd. That is your NBA rundown. Next week when this podcast airs, we will either be talking about the NBA championship or game seven of each of those series. We'll keep an eye on the NBA, of course. We are now moving on to everyone's favorite segment in the podcast, our weekly turtle tab, where we keep you informed on all things baseball savior, Willens, Ostadio related. And we have sad news for all of our La Tortuga lovers. He was optioned off the Twins roster on Friday, back to the alternate site in St. Paul. Um, his season is probably, barring a strange injury, his season with is probably over at this point. Um, the Twins are already carrying three catchers, even without him. So there's no real chance that he uh, would take probably a couple of in. So it's very unlikely to happen. Um, in the end, he uh, appeared in, how many games did he end up in? Looks like seven games he appeared in, eight games he appeared in. Um, had 18 at-bats, or 16 at-bats. He ended up hitting 250 on the year with an OPS of 750. He did have one home run and three RBIs on the year. So not a world-beating showing, but still a very good showing for Willens Astadio. Um, he did have a positive war on the year. Um, so that is good. He was an above replacement level player when he met. So good for him. Good for him. Moving right along to our other wonderful segment, 
Mike's stupid rules. We're going to dive a little bit more into that Tyreek Hill helmet um, situation. So the exact NFL rule that I was referencing is NFL rule section three, article one, um, line H, um, where it says it is a personal foul, unsportsmanlike conduct if, for quote, removal of his helmet by a player in the field of play or end zone during a celebration or demonstration or during a confrontation with a game official or other player. Tyree Kill removed his helmet in the end zone after scoring a touchdown. Therefore, it is in celebration after scoring a touchdown, which should fall under uh, Section 3, Article... What did I say? Section 3, Article 1, uh, Rule F. We should definitely have fallen under there. This, uh, that Article 3, Section 1... Or Section 3, Article 1, sorry... Um, those unsportsmanlike conduct um, is the same things as, as other unsportsmanlike, such as using props in celebrations, excessive celebrations, contact with a uh, contact with a game official, um, baiting or taunting, um, fighting, all covered under the same article or section three, article one. Um, now, some of those. In some of the th- acts covered in Section 3, Article 1, such as um, throwing a punch or using abusive language, right, could first of all be called anywhere in the stadium. Not like, so for example, if they, teams got in a fight in the tunnel before the game, technically the officials can throw a flag under this rule for that even before the game has begun. It doesn't have to happen on the field as long as the officials have jurisdiction at this time. They could call um, that penalty. So there you go. That is Section 3, Article 1, Rule H, talking about the removal of the helmet and why Tyree Kill should have been penalized. See, I disagree. I don't think he should have been penalized. I think that was the right call. And the key there in the rule is taking off the helmet in an act of celebration being the penalty. I don't think he took it off in an act of celebration. I didn't realize that was a part of the rule, to be fair. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Could a, lot, a lot of the articles that you read say he took off his helmet, therefore it's penalized. No, so it, was, it's, it doesn't say in an act of celebration. It says during a celebration. Scoring so that, a touchdown by definition is a celebration. Is it? I would say so, yes. But you would say so, exactly. That's not explicitly stated in the rule book. There isn't a definition for celebration. You know, uh, during an act of celebration or, you know, whatever I said earlier, it's equivalent essentially at this point because that's a subjective thing. And I don't think that there was a celebration there. Sure, he scored a touchdown, but he didn't celebrate. They're not in the Not in the mindset of, you know, Woohoo, I just scored a touchdown. He just didn't do anything. If you watch the video back, he just doesn't do anything. He walks off the back at the back of the end zone. So I don't know. Yeah. I guess, yeah, it does come down to whether you considered him celebrating at that point when he helmet. I think that was that's called all the time in the NFL. You basically take off your helmet, it's automatic. Anyway. Well, it's actually not called all the time in the NFL because it wasn't called here. Yeah, you you have been read the rule. You have heard the rule. You guys can all now judge based on the letter of the rule whether you know Chiefs got away. Moving on to our write that down prediction segment. I have been looking forward to this segment the entire day 
because I had a really, really good week in our Write That Down prediction segment. Actually, we have no incorrect predictions at all. In our it was a great week. It was a great week for all of us, me in particular. Um, we have our final um, season two predictions. So our final predictions that were on the board for last season came off the board. They actually came off the board last week, but I didn't, uh, didn't check season two last week. I forgot about it. Um, but anyway, we're taking those off the board now. Kyle predicted that Philip Rivers would play in Indianapolis this year. When he suited up in week one, he did he'd play. Um, so ding, 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 ding. And Josh back in season predicted that Alan Lazard would be on the Packers roster next year. And he was definitely on the roster. So ding, 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 ding. ding. And now for my great week of write that down prediction. I predicted that the Twins would win the season series against the Cubs. They took two out of three of against the Cubs this weekend to win the season series. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. ding. I predicted the Twins would make the playoffs. As we said earlier, the Twins have entered a playoff spot. So, ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. I predicted the Twins would play above 500 against the NL Central this year. Um, They still have three games left against the Reds, but they are are more than three games above 500 against the NL Central right now. So they've clinched this one. So ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. And I also predicted that La Tortuga would not be on the roster um, for the whole rest of the season, which we learned here. So ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. That is it of my great day of write that down prediction. So uh, with yeah. that being said, I'm going to throw something on the board because – that's what we do here. The Chiefs will lose one or less divisional game this season. So they will either go undefeated or they will go 5-1 and one in division. So that win against the Chiefs is a division game. They already have that one division win. Right? Against the Chargers? Oh, sorry, they didn't. Sorry. I mean, they tried to beat themselves, <laughs> yes. Um, so they're already 1-0. So basically you're saying they're going to go... 5-0 um, and o down the stretch or 4-1. Four and one. Okay, let me. So, the Chiefs in their remaining games against the division. Let me pull those up here. Um, so, in their remaining games against the division, according to 538, the Chiefs have a 79% chance to beat the Raiders at home, a 75% chance to beat the Broncos in Denver, a 74% chance to beat the Raiders in Vegas a 81% chance to beat the Broncos at home, and a 82% chance to beat the Chargers at home. Man, that's a good idea. Yeah, this seems like single-slash-double territory to me. What do you think? Like, I would say double because there's so many games that ha- they have to win. I wouldn't go for a single on this. I think a double would be fair. And though. I'd also advocate for over a single here because those predictions projections might not account for Drew Locke being the starting quarterback in those games for Denver and the backup being in there. So if he does come back healthy, that completely changes the shape of the. Yeah. So we'll go with double. We'll go with double for that one. Um, My prediction. So last week I predicted the twins would play the Yankees in the first round of the playoffs. That's looking more and more likely here. um, As we go into the season's final week, I'm going to double down and say, not only will the twins play the Yankees in the first round of the playoffs, the Twins will beat the Yankees in the first round of the playoffs. They will win the series against the Yankees. They're going to slay the Dragon. 
I hope so. Keep in mind that I, the have not I hope so playoff too. game in a long, long time. I hope this is the year. I am not a big Yankees fan. Uh, I guess there's no percentages right now. Yeah. Um, a lot of it will depend on where this game will play. As uh, will where these games will get played. If it's as uh, of right now, if the season ended today, they will be played in Minneapolis. Correct. Yes. Um, yes, that's correct. Gosh. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like either a double or a triple, right? I don't think it's. I don't know. I'm leaning. Wait. Okay. Who's healthy for the Yankees right now? Because I know their starting rotation has taken a big hit. Yeah, Cole is back. Aaron Judge is back. Um, is Stanton back? I don't know for sure. Let me. Um, Stanton is. Let me can find it. Yes, he's played. He pl- Yes, he's played. He's he's back in health. Um, the only two starting pitchers I like to actually be in are Cole and Tanaka. Their other starting pitchers haven't been well. Jay Happ has been okay this year. Yeah. Keep in mind that the last time the Twins won a playoff game was October 5th, 2004. Sounds like you're lobbying for a triple here. That's the last time the Twins even won a playoff game, much less a series. Do we want to indulge him, Wyatt, or do we want to make him fear? I'm I'm okay with the triple. I have okay. no qualms about that. <laughs> okay. We'll give him a triple. All right. Triple for the Twins beating. Was the- that what you were wanting? Yeah, I, I, I'm happy with the triple. Okay. I'm going to say the Cubs are going to go five for seven for the last seven games of the season. A perfect five out of seven with Rice. Don't worry, don't worry about it. Um, okay, let me see who the Cubs play down the stretch. It'll be four at Pirates, three at White Sox. And you're saying they'll go exactly five and exactly. seven? Exactly. Exactly five. The White Sox might be playing to win their division those last three games of them. Yeah. So according to, again, 538, the Cubs have a 57% chance in the first two games against the Pirates, a 66% chance in game three, and a 61% chance in game four. Um, and then they have a, seven, a 57% chance in game one against the White Sox, a 46% chance in game two, and a 53% chance in game three. Exactly. I think exactly five and seven is triple territory, probably. Just possibly because. home run, but triple. Because if it's exactly five, if it's five or more, yeah, if it's exactly five, triple. Yeah, I go triple. Sounds like a plan to me. Do we have anything for Josh this week? Is he alive? Yep, he's doing good. Josh is jumping on the Packers' offensive bandwagon here with their offensive performances, and he is predicting that the Packers will score 40 or more points on offense for the third straight week next week when they take on the New Orleans Saints. Unlikely. I agree. That's unlikely. So the to- like the total projection projected points is fifty one and a half for that game. The over under. The over under. under. Both teams combined is fifty one yeah. and a half. Fifty one and a half. The package is for more than forty. It, it just it ain't gonna happen. I think the Saints' defense is better than a lot of people are making it out to be. Um. I think this is going to be a much closer game. It's probably going to be like a 27-24 ballpark type game. I don't think there's any way they score. I think that's even a little excessive. Triple? 
Is this triple or home run? I'd say. I've, I think if it's 50, I think it's home run. I don't think – I think what we've seen so far, it's not out of the realm of the Packers to score 40 in a game. And then, I think if he said 50, I I would be home run comfortably at 50. 50, 100% is home run. I I think there's an argument to be made that 40-plus is also in home run territory, yeah. though, for this game. I mean, there is an argument to be made, yeah. but I'm yeah. – on the triple line. 40 points has been scored exactly three times this entire year. Two by the Packers in week one and week two. And then once the Cowboys got to 40 here in uh, week two as well. So it's not like 40 just happens across the NFL. Also, But the Packers are 66% of those 40-point games so far this season. Something to consider, too, the Saints' offense is an absolute garbage, so Green Bay isn't going to be running the ball, you know, 75% of the time. Well, I, it, okay. I, will lobby, I will lobby for a home run. I'm also voting for home run. Well, I'm outruled. Yeah, you are. So it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> I am also voting. We tend to shaft Josh a lot on these, so I'm totally comfortable giving him a home run. And with that, we have all four write-that-down predictions up on the board, which means we're at the end of the write-that-down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 98 of the 8311Cast. We appreciate you sticking around. Make sure to drop us a line on our contact page at 8311Cast.fireside.fm slash contact or on Instagram slide into our DMs at 8311Cast. Signing off for the 8311Cast, we have your hosts. Your next MLB commissioner, Mike Ludwig. Mike Ludwig. And Mike Ludwig. We'll talk to you next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.